Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet our correspondents for today. First, we got Angelina Martel. Hey, what's going on, oh. guys? And then, <laughs> and then right after that, we got Anthony. What's good? How's it going, y'all? And then after that, Kristen. Hey, guys. How's it going? And then last but not least, Shay, say what's up. Hey. I, <laughs> so Shay excited for this episode. So I can't wait to see her use that energy for this specific pod. But um, to start it off, I really don't want to. But let's just quickly talk about these last three games for the Heat against the Pistons, Thunder, and the 76ers. The Heat went 2-1 with their most recent game ending in a loss to Philly. I really don't want to talk about the Heat losing to a team that didn't have Embiid and James Harden. So that's why y'all are going to do it for me. So with all that being said, what's everyone's reactions to these past three games from the Heat? Uh, Start us off, Anthony. Uh, What's your thoughts on the game, Joel? Man, Luna, I am the host of this podcast. He just right? said you guys I'm are gonna playing, talk about it for him because he doesn't want to. Hey, <laughs> neither do I. But I, I got you, my guy. No, seriously, I, I would have loved to came on the pod and say that he took care of business this week. Of course, they did against the two lesser teams in Detroit and Oklahoma. Should have did it last night against Philly without their two stars, also. But I've said this point for the last month or so on the pod, so I'll just reiterate that again. There's nothing that can happen the rest of this regular season that can upset me with this Miami Heat team. I mean, this we've seen championship Miami Heat teams before. That's what this team looks like. So in an 82-game regular season, you're going to have games like this. The most important thing is that you're preparing for the playoffs. This kind of thing happens all the time. When you have two stars out, you'll have a bunch of random guys step up, like Forkan Korkmaz or you know, uh, Tyrese Maxey, who's not a scrub, but I guess Shake Milton, we know, went off yesterday. Of course, we've seen the Heat have games like that this year where Struess will go off for 30 or Gabe Vincent. So these kinds of things happen, you know, especially the Heat. This is nothing new to us, losing to teams without their star players. I can recall twice last year we lost to the Clippers without Kawhi and Paul George both games. So if you've watched, you know, any Heat games over the last few years, you shouldn't be surprised. Even Eric Reed was surprised last night saying that he didn't expect this. Like, really? You, you didn't expect Furkan Korkmaz to go off? Like, there's a reason random scrub Heat killers are thing, you know. But that being said, I'm certainly not concerned with last night's game. Just take care of business the rest of the week. They got some big games coming against up against some decent teams like Golden State and Brooklyn. So, uh, if they can close out the week strong, I mean, nothing to be concerned about. They were in first place before the week. They're in first place now, and I'm happy with that. Right. And how about you, Christian? So, yeah, the Miami Heat do have a penchant for just when the other team's stars are out. Uh, they don't tend to do as well against the other teams. Uh, and looking back at the past two games, the, uh, the Pistons and the Thunder before this, uh, there's one common denomination, and that's the fact that Tyler Hero, 27 and 29, he just went off. So in those games, Jimmy and Bam weren't really scoring as much, uh, and Tyler was able to kind of carry this team to victory. Even though they're lesser teams and they should have won, uh, I see it coming down to Tyler taking the lead on that scoring vote. <laughs> if we look at this Philly game, uh, the first thing that pops out to me is that Tyler didn't do that. He kind of sold the bag for Miami. He went five of 15 from the field, only 10 points. And if Tyler scored his normal 20 plus points, you know, that puts Miami ahead. They probably could have won the game because Miami had really solid games from all three stars. I mean, BBL was firing on all cylinders. You had Jimmy Butler, eight of 15, 27, five and six. Kyle Lowry was seven of 13, 26 and six. And Bam Adebayo with 22, nine and two on nine of 14 shooting. The Miami Heat's big three, they were just really efficient. And that's what I was saying over the last podcast about Bam is taking more shots, and he did, and he scored more. That's good for Miami. But if Tyler's going to go 5 of 15 and have a minus 15 plus minus when he's out on the floor, that's not a recipe for Miami to win. And the only other thing that I noticed aside from that 
is the rebounding battle. Philadelphia won by 11. It was 45 to 34. But of those 45 rebounds that Philadelphia had, 11 were on the offensive end. So the offensive boards for Philly were a really big contributor in those secondhand points. So I'm sorry, second chance points. And that's the other big thing that I saw for this game. So it's not really a cause for concern for Miami because I think Miami tends to play up to their competition when it's there. And then when the competition is not there, uh, I don't know if it's sort of a mental thing. As far as the explanation I have to offer, I think it comes down to Miami's defensive scheme. And from what I see is Miami's really good at shutting down stars and focusing on preventing, you know, stars from going off in games against them. However, when the offense is more balanced from an opposing team, it's a little bit more difficult for Miami to defend because they don't really know where the scoring is coming from. But also Tyler Hero going 5-15 is definitely a big part of that. Right. And then, Ange, what's on your mind? Honestly, I would say I'm surprised, but then the Heat fan in me also low-key isn't, like everyone has said so far, when random Scarpy killers like Fergin Corkmoz just go off on you, especially when it almost seems too good to be true when the Sixers' two best players, James Harden and Joel Embiid, are no longer playing this game. So it almost seems like we're put at an extremely unfair advantage considering the Heat is almost fully healthy. But another contributing factor, also like everyone has said so far, when Tyler Hero, one of our most important scorers, is shooting five from 15 from the field. And that also just adds on to the factors of making it harder to win what seems to be almost given games such as these. And so I'm going to be honest, I haven't really been following the games as much as I should be. But from what I watched from the Philly game last night is that it was close the entire game. And then we just kind of let it slip away from us towards the end, which again, the Heat tend to do pretty often, which is again, why I say I'm surprised, but not because this happened a lot last season and in the season before as well. So it's almost something you kind of sort of have to expect no matter what team you go against. It's like, you can never really let your guard down again because of like the players that can potentially be missing. Like I'll give an example from last year. I forget who brought this up. I believe it was Anthony, but that hard loss we had to the Clippers with no Kawhi or Paul George. And again, with Atlanta having half of their squad out and thus essentially losing to irrelevant Atlanta bench players um, coming off of a pretty big win. I forget who was, what was who we played before, but that's besides the point. But where I'm going with this is like, you can never take it for granted on any given night just because of the players you have or don't. And the same thing with the opposing team. So it really just has to come down to us clamping down more and just not getting too ahead of ourselves. But as far as my reaction, I, like I said, I'm surprised, but I'm not. But of course, I felt like we, of course, could have done better. So going into these next games, we have a pretty tough schedule ahead of us, which I believe we can do pretty well against these teams coming up like Golden State, because we've done really well against the first overall team in the league, the Suns. We beat them by 20 with their full healthy starting lineup, but when even we didn't even have our full healthy starting lineup. But then again, we lost when they didn't, when they had their full healthy starting lineup. So, I mean, it's really just, you got to pray for the worst and hope for the best. So that's what I have to say. Right. I agree. And it seems like your phone agreed with those points as it kept dinging every time you was talking. So no, for real, even <laughs> though they, my messages are off, they just have to say something, you know, but that's... they agree with your takes. So no, you facts, know. facts. So Shay, how about you? Oh yeah. I agree with Ange. I agree with Angie. Like you cannot take like certain teams like for granted, but my reaction to last night's game is I'm embarrassed, but I'm not worried. Like I'm not concerned at all, but I am embarrassed because they should have won the game. It was no Harden, no Embiid. Like they should have won the game. And um, Bam Adebayo needs to shoot more threes. Um, <laughs> the refs. I mean, I didn't want. I didn't watch the game, but what I can say is I know that the refs were on something because it's Philly. And yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. All right, all right. Um, great insightful take, Shay. And uh, before we continue, does anyone have something they want to add on? 
I'll take the silence as a no. So basically, let me just give um, my take about it real quick about this loss to the Sixers. You know what? It's like what you said, Ange. I mean, a part of me is a little surprised by it, but deep down, I'm really not. You know, because we've seen games in the past where the Heat should have won, and yet they ended up choking, right? Like a huge example, and like this is something that gives me PTSD to this day. It was when Miami went out and they lost to the Wizards. It was the season we made it to the finals. Um, I think Beal was out, and I forgot who else, but a lot of guys were out for Washington, and I think it was like before, it was like around the end of 2019, this game took place. And Miami got blown out by Garrison Matthews. I know that's a game that still haunts Heat fans to oh this day. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on Garrison Matthews, Joel. Don't do and it, man. I, I remember that game against Houston. I saw him playing. I'm like, yo, please don't let this be a repeat of what happened, especially because it was Depot Day and everything. Like, I did not want this man to go off and ruin it. So, but yeah, like, We've seen Miami do this before, so some people want to troll about this and, you know, want to act concerned. And I mean, and I mean, I get it. You know, you should be concerned a little bit about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't feel much worried about it because come playoff time, this isn't going to be the same Heat team. I think they know when to turn the switch on and when to really yeah, get going. So overall, I think we just got to stay chill and just, you know, just... Watch these oh, but that switch, that that switch thing, the turn and switch, it could only work for like some things like that. Like it's what Shaq and Chuck was talking about. But like, I'm gonna let you finish though. Right. So you know, I just think Miami just finished these ten games strong, and then you know, get ready for the playoffs. And you know, I want to continue this combo by then going into the injuries that Miami has had to deal with because. You know, it's no secret that Miami has been bitten by the injury bug throughout this whole year. And it feels like we won't stop, like, annoying the Heat now, you know? Like, I heard that Jimmy was limping after his press conference this last game. And then, you know, we still got a couple injuries bugging this team here and there. And, like, with the playoffs being only 10 games away, like, how concerned are you guys about the ongoing injuries as we get ready for the playoffs? Um, give us your take, uh, Christian. So I guess if I had to say on a scale of one to 10, uh, let me preface before I go into that. I think the Miami Heat are a team that has definitely been plagued by injuries this season. But the fact that they do have that one seed uh, is impressive. Their performance has not really been too affected, I believe, by injuries. But at the same time, when you're missing even just playing together time from your star players, that's going to spell trouble for the Miami heat. So I think that it's really concerning as far as I'd say up to an eight, because for Jimmy, he almost has a new injury or ailment every week. And that's something that's not great. Kyle Lowry sometimes takes extended leaves and you never really know what this Miami heat team, because sometimes they're able to get it done against top teams without any of their stars. And other times they'll face top teams without the other team stars and they won't do as well. So injuries definitely play a big factor, not only in the Miami uh, Heat's success for the rest of the season, but into the playoffs as well. I don't really see the Heat faring well against some of these playoff teams in the Eastern Conference if they don't have that defensive and on-court impact from Jimmy Butler, if they don't have the facilitation of Kyle Lowry, you know, certain stars, um, especially if Tyler Hero gets put on the COVID list again, that's a big punch from the offense that they're just going to be missing. So it's definitely something to be concerned about but as far as an air of optimism the heat have had their team pretty much mostly healthy for the past couple of games so it's trending towards the right direction and it's just hopefully they can maintain that for this playoff run i agree and Ange, how about you honestly like christian said um with different players having different ailments or like injuries like varying between week to week like he also said Kyle Lowry also no I'm sorry Jimmy also has like injuries like a new injury or something every week and like he also said he was coming out limping after his press conference which is always something to be concerned about especially not just going into these next games but just going into future games in general 
knowing how big of a contributor he really is, as well as Kyle Lowry. And Bama just came off of, not just, but pretty recently he came off of a wrist surgery, which he was out for, I believe it was four to six weeks, if I might be wrong, maybe even longer. But yeah, this goes to um, show like weeks and um, a thumb injury, not wrist. Oh, I, thought, I apologize, but I remember it had something to do with the hand region. But anyways, yeah, no, while he was gone, it really showed like a big difference that he made when he was on and when he was off the court. But on a scale of from one to 10, I would have to go close with Christian and say a seven, because while injuries do play a big role, as well as health and safety, but I don't think that's such a big issue now as it was before. Um we played pretty well without our key players. Like I said, Jimmy, Bam, Lowry, with whatever concern it might've been, whether it had been an injury or health and safety. But of course, like I said, going into these games, it'll be much more convenient if we have a healthy team, which it's starting to look more and more like as the games progress, which it didn't look like towards the start of the season, which I'm glad it's starting to progress because like I said, it's always better to have all your main contributors and to have none at all. But like I said earlier about, you cannot just um, go into any given game expecting it to go better because you have your full team or because they don't have their full team. You always have to play to the full and the best of your abilities and to just hope, like I also said, hope for the worst and pray for the best. So to answer the question going forward, I am concerned, but I'm not concerned about like how badly it's gonna affect our playing, like our, game so far if that makes sense right. you know from the words of coach Spo, you know we have enough so you know obviously yeah, sure. i want the team to stay healthy but it's like at the same time especially for playoff time but you know hopefully if god is willing we won't have to deal with the injury bug for much longer and then like say what's on your mind about all this like because i know like we were uh-huh. talking there about like you would say it would be like a five or six right yeah, like, uh, it's in the middle, like, because don't we play, we play good when we're, like, under man or some shit, some, something like that, like, we play good under man or something like that, like, we play good as underdogs, whatever, so, like, I'm not too concerned, because, like, we could always, like, get it done, right. I am kind of concerned, but, like, I mean, that's understandable, you know, because, you know, you look at the Heat, I mean, the Heat, with their with their players sitting out, you know, we've been able to do good. But at the same time, you know, you look at, you know, the playoffs, you know, you're going to be playing some of the best in the league. So, obviously, yes, it's important yes. that your whole squad is healthy and everything. So, you know, I don't want to say – I see where you're coming from, where you're not exactly too concerned. But at the same time, you know, like when you think about having to play a team like Boston or – Philly or um who else Brooklyn um Milwaukee you know you always want to make sure you're fully healthy you know ahead when is Aladipo coming back though um say that again when is Aladipo coming back he should be back Wednesday I heard um I think it was coach Spo who said he's currently rehabbing and should be ready for that Wednesday game so we'll see but um, overall, like, I think we're all on the same ship where we basically agree that, you know, the con- injuries, it, it is kind of a concern because going into the playoffs, you want the whole squad healthy, especially because mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference looks tougher than ever, you know? Like, there isn't going to really be much easy outs, you know, once the playoffs get started for this conference. But... Now, I expect the Heat to be ready, and hopefully we can ha- be healthy and that it's not going to be anything like the 2020 finals. You know, God forbid that. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. So, overall, you know, that was a good topic to talk about. And now I'm kind of excited. I know we got two people that are ready to start talking for this one. And that's none other than the one seed dilemma in the Eastern Conference. Now, with some teams trying to tank to get out of that one seed, including the Bucks, who sat out Giannis in their game against the Timberwolves, it appears some teams do not want to be in the position Miami is in right now. Also, as said in a recent episode of Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat pod here on the Five Reasons Sports Network, some teams view the Heat as a weak um, first seed team. 
Now, it should be noted that the one seed in the East hasn't always had success as only two teams have, have finished as the one seed while making it to the finals in the same season since 2010. Those two teams were none other than the 2013 Heat and the 2016 Cavaliers. So with all that being said, how do you guys feel about the status with the one seed? And are you cool with Miami being in the current ranking? And before we do that, I know, Anthony, um, you want to like just quickly touch on this um, last topic? Uh, I mean, thanks for thanks for skipping me, my guy. Uh, <laughs> you probably knew. <laughs> listen, listen. I tend to be the optimistic one on this pod, I feel like. But, I mean, I, I actually feel a little bit different than y'all. If y'all ask me to rank my concern on injuries from 1 to 10, it's a, it's a 10. I mean, I feel like it should always be a 10 every year because 99% of the time, whoever wins the championship is the most healthy team. So health is, true, one, of the most, true. Yeah, health is one of the most important aspects. Uh, I'll die on this hill. The Miami Heat would have won it all in 2016 if they had Bosch and Whiteside. They want to want it all in 2020 if Goran didn't get hurt and Bam didn't get hurt. So preach, health is preach. some of the most important things. And also, too, like, I know a lot of y'all saying that, like, uh, well, aside from just having the players on the court, you need to have them on the court prior to the playoffs because you need to build that chemistry. You can't just all of a sudden get everybody back and throw them into the lineup, you know, first game of the playoffs. I think it's the Heat versus the World podcast that says I'll unpin this tweet when we play a healthy game. That's been up all year. It's still pinned because they still haven't had a fully healthy game. And you're getting to the point now where you're probably not going to get that opportunity to build that chemistry before the playoffs because you got 10 games left. You're going to want to start resting some guys. You might never actually get that opportunity to have everybody out there on the court. True, so even true. though they are getting some guys back, you know, you don't have to have chemistry. And I think that's going to be a really big deal especially since it's looking like they're not going to have an easy matchup in the first round to kind of get their gears going. Uh, and also, too, a lot of people saying we're getting healthier because we're getting guys back. I mean, not really. Jimmy is not healthy. It's very clear that that ankle is bothering him. There was two attempts yesterday where he went up to dunk the ball, and he couldn't even get up high enough to dunk the ball. He had to lay it in. He didn't end up having a dunk yesterday, so I'm not saying he can't dunk, but it was very clear watching that game yesterday that he is not, he's not very healthy. Uh, Oladipo isn't healthy. He's already out now with a different issue. It's not the quad. He's out with back spasms. Deadman, Deadman hasn't been listed on the injury report, but he hasn't played. And you got to assume a lot of that is because of injury as well. And his back spasms, Caleb Martin has been questionable for two months now with his Achilles. That is a very dangerous injury and he hasn't gotten much time to rest either. So that all that to say, I'm very concerned about injuries, but that being said, it's, you know, it doesn't mean I think it's, you know, going to cost them in the long run. It's just something that you have to be concerned about because it's a very important issue. <gasps> I, had to my, I had to change my ranking to a nine because he was speaking some real stuff just now. I got to change my ranking to a nine. Thank you, Shay. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. No one was ready for Anthony, bro. Anthony came in swing. And Joel, hey, Joel, man. Joel apparently yeah, wasn't ready sorry, for either. He skipped over it. him. Hey, Joel, yeah, Joel, Joel, I'm just. <laughs> let's kill y'all. Don't, don't come after me, all right? <laughs> hey, man, I just still got PTSD, like I said, from 2016 and 2020, because I really believe the Heat would have won it all those two years if those guys didn't get hurt. So that's the most right. important thing. Man. I agree. Like, you know, injuries are going to serve as a huge thing that Miami needs to avoid. You know, we all know this. I think, you know, as a team, we just, as fans, we just got to hope for the best and hope that this team can stay healthy. Um, regarding Deadman, um, I don't think he's necessarily injured. I think it's just Miami simply giving more of his minutes to Markeith, who's been playing really good since coming out of that injury and everything. So could he get more minutes? He probably could. But I think Miami just simply wants to let him chill for now because he doesn't really look like himself, you know? Like, that dude literally had his dunk blocked by the rim, like, not too long ago. That's because he's hurt, though. That's because he's got the back spasms. Yeah, That's like, why he looks bad. But Yeah, so, like, I think this is Miami's opportunity with Marquise back to just let Deadman chill for a bit, you know, let him get himself together and then... You know, once once he's ready, once he's a hundred percent, then he could start getting some minutes again. But until then, like just trust Markeith being that backup five for Bam. I'm know? so glad Markeith is back. 
Yeah, honestly, I'm just glad, you know, because I was really worried that dude was going to be out for the whole season. But luckily, that was not the case. But while we could talk about that all day, you know, I did talk about this earlier about this dilemma with the one seed and teams wanting tank and everything. Like, how do you guys feel about it? Like, do you guys think Miami should stay as the one seed or like, do you think things should change up? Like, would you, would you honestly want Miami to stay as the one seed if you could decide that yourself? Like you could start us off shit. I'm not really concerned that we're the one seed, but I mean, I guess it depends on the matchups, but um, cause I don't, think we're like some some people think that we might play the Nets in the first round but I think the Nets might get the seventh seed and we might play the Raptors in the first round so I think it might be a tough series so but like I don't know I just think home court will help us I guess but like we we should like towards like the end of like season we should start resting players though resting players Right. I agree. Um, And, you know, it's funny because I heard the ambulance in the background. You know, I guess we got already people in the background concerned about, you know, these injuries that are happening, not only for the Heat, but, you know, you're looking at these other teams, too, because, you know, my thing with the Nets is like they don't have Ben Simmons right now. We don't know when he's coming back, if he's even coming back this season. But, you know, it is an interesting situation Miami is in right now. And, like, like Ange, how do you feel when you think about the Heat being the one seed? Honestly, I feel like we deserve it. And I'm sure every Heat fan can vouch for me when I say that we deserve it. Because especially coming off of last season and even the season prior to losing to the Lakers. I'm sorry I have to bring that up, but it's necessary. But, no, um, I, f- I really feel like we deserve where we're at right now. But I'm also kind of scared because, of course, with being the first seed, everyone in your conference or it doesn't even have to be your conference like if you're aware or like anyone that's aware that like the heat is the first in the eastern conference or like to say the suns in the western conference like their expectations of course are going to be higher considering like you know they're ranked higher but i forget what year it was i was probably too young to remember but the heat were the first seed and they were also a first round exit in the playoffs so i mean i'm not saying that's going to happen but like i like i've been saying you can never let your guard down and you just always have to like be alert and just again hope for the worst, pray for the best. No, pray for the worst, hope for the best. But um, like like Shay said, we could potentially be facing the Nets, which could be a problem because you know of course Kevin Durant and the whole situation with Ben Simmons is unknown. But also with Kyrie Irving, I don't know how it's gonna go with him playing at home games I don't know if Brooklyn's gonna pay the fine and let him play but this whole situation in my opinion is just so stupid but that's besides the point but yeah no one knows how the whole situation's going just yet since the standings aren't set in stone so I feel confident but as well as I also feel nervous because like I said like you can never predict how the Heat are going to do on any given night against any team given their circumstances as well as our circumstances. So, but to answer the question, I'm pretty confident. So of course, in the back of my head, there's gonna be some concerns, but I'm not gonna let that get the best of my, like what my heart feels is how the heat are gonna do, if that makes sense. So I'm just to answer your question, I'm confident. Right, you know, it's, there's gonna be a lot of questions cause we don't even know, like you said, Ange, how everything is going to end up being by the time the regular season ends. And, you know, now I got two more people that got to give their opinions, and I'm actually excited about this. Uh, Here, we'll start off with you, Christian. Well, looking at Miami, just objectively, how they performed in the regular season, they're 26-9 and at home and 21-17 and on the road. So with the one seed, that gives them home court advantage, at least through the East. So that's going to be really beneficial for them because they tend to play better at home. Uh, now with the one seed, there's a possibility that they face off against the Brooklyn Nets if the Nets get the eighth seed, or as a two seed, there's also a chance that the Nets get the seventh seed. I do think the safest thing for Miami would be to get the one seed because a home court advantage is a home court advantage over pretty much every team in the East, except for Brooklyn, <laughs> because we have a player called Kyrie Irving and he didn't get vaccinated. So he's not allowed to play home games in New York but he will be allowed to play every road game, which means four out of seven games in this series. If the Nets and the Heat match up in the first round, Kyrie Irving will be able to play. 
And we tend to do quite well with Kyrie on the floor. I mean, he just dropped 60 like it was nothing. It's a, it's a pretty good thing. He's got the best handles in the league, pretty unguardable. But as far as Miami facing anyone else, it's probably most beneficial. You know, even if somehow the Hornets or the Hawks or the Raptors get the eighth seed, you're going to want to have that first seed because it's just the, the best spot for Miami to be in. Right. And how about you, Anthony? Okay. I got one major problem with what Christian just said. He said that Kyrie Irving is going to be able to play in all the road games in Miami. Well, that's operating under the very large assumption that Kyrie Irving is going to be healthy to even play in those games. This man gets hurt more than anybody that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I don't expect that to stop for any reason, not to mention that Kevin Durant, ever since he got hit, ever since his Achilles injury, he can't seem to stay healthy either. He's missed a ton of time this year. And I've said this on record on many platforms. I said it on this podcast for months. I said it on my YouTube channel for months. The Brooklyn Nets do not scare me at all, not even one bit. And I am praying that the Miami Heat match up against them in the playoffs. And that's a whole nother point is all these teams trying to avoid the one seed, like uh, Philly resting Harden and Embiid the other night, uh, the Bucks resting Giannis the other night. That is so stupid to me because you're trying to play for positions here, but you have no idea where Brooklyn's even going to end up. Right now, I think they were currently the A seed. Yeah, they're currently the A seed. And the way the playing tournament works, if they stay in the A seed, they'd have a chance to either be seven or eight, but they're only one game up from nine. That means if they fall to nine, then they could finish. Uh, that'd be, they would, they could finish eight then. So nobody even knows. And that's operating under the big assumption that they even make the playoffs. Who's to even say the Brooklyn Nets make the playoffs? Because right now they're scheduled to match up against the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the play-in. Well, guess what? Kyrie Irving can't play in Brooklyn or Toronto. So now you got to play a play-in game against the, the Toronto Raptors without Kyrie Irving. And then if you lose that game, you got to play the winner of Hornets versus Hawks. I could see either one of those teams beating the Nets. I could see Trey Young or LaMelo Ball getting a hot one game and beating the Nets. That team doesn't scam me at all. Kyrie Irving is a great regular season player, but every team he leaves gets better. When he got hurt in 2015, LeBron James had no problem uh, almost coming back to beat the Golden State Warriors by himself. The Boston Celtics went to a game seven against the Cavaliers once Kyrie got hurt. Every team he leaves gets better. He's a drama. He's a cancer uh, or he's a drama queen and he's a cancer. That team doesn't scare me at all. The day they traded for James Harden, I said, that team is not going to work. I've been, I've never been more right about anything in my life. Now they traded who Ben Simmons, who was too sad to play basketball. That team doesn't scare me at all. And I'm praying Miami Heat get matched up against them if that team makes the playoffs. Well, it should. It definitely should scare you. I mean, you look at the Nets, the new look Nets. You guys have beaten us three times this season. People were out, people were injured, but the Nets tend to be a star-studded team. So you guys play up to the Nets. That's what you guys do. When the teams have stars in, that's what you're going to play to. But the fact that we got Seth Curry, who's a lights-out shooter, you know, he's great. And Andre Drummond, not to minimize his impact, but we got some great rebounding from him. Because I think rebounding is a lot of what we're missing. But not only that, if you watch Nick Claxton, who, oh, who's Nick, Nick Claxton? He's, I think, a third-year player, and he's just been amazing in the pick-and-roll with almost every single Nets player. Him and Harden were dangerous on the pick-and-roll, but now him and Kyrie in the pick-and-roll, him and Dragic, even him and KD. So if we're looking at the Brooklyn Nets versus the Miami Heat, this is what the Nets are going to do. The Nets have two stars. They have KD and Kyrie on the games where we have to play at home. Kyrie's not going to play. When you get one star going and the Miami Heat have to focus their defensive efforts, whether it's Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler and guarding KD, that opens up so many opportunities for the shooters around the perimeter, including Patty Mills, Seth Curry, to get the open shots that they need to send the Nets ahead. Uh, we also have Kessler Edwards, who's not too bad from the three, but even look at the pick and roll action, KD on the high pick and roll with Andre Drummond or Nick Claxton rolling to the basket. That's the main focus of the Nets offense. I mean, Patty Mills has been a nightmare for the Miami Heat for the past 15 years of his career. Miami can't find an answer for him. So I think you're getting down to, you know, can the Miami Heat really contain KD and Kyrie at the same time while guarding the perimeter? And then once the perimeter gets hot, they want to start guarding the perimeter. Who's cutting to the basket? It's Drummond. It's Claxton. But to give the Miami Heat a fair shot, you guys are a great, well-constructed team. And the fact that you do have the BBL firing on all cylinders, and if you get a good game from Tyler, you know, the it's BBL. Not... I'm so sorry. I had to chime in. That is the funniest thing. The BBL. Yeah, Bam Butler-Lowry. I yeah, mean, I love so... that. So... <laughs> 
the fact is, is I'm not saying that the Nets can definitively win over Miami or the other way around, but you can't just discount the Nets. Okay, so Kyrie's a diva, Kyrie's this, Kyrie's that. He still has, I'd say he's a top five talent in the NBA, maybe not a top five player, but his bag, every off-balance shot, the feel he has for the game, it's it's it's, it's spiritual. It's, it's just something that you watch and you say, he's making all of those shots. KD from the perimeter. There's a lot of things that the Nets can do. And as far as defensively, we were able to stop Joel Embiid and James Harden from getting to the basket. They both had two of their worst shooting games of the season. So I think that the Nets are definitely something to watch out for. I don't think, Anthony, you could just disregard them as quickly as you did. Uh, I think it's going to be a really great series if we do get into that. But if we don't, and maybe we get like the seventh seed and we somehow meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's also going to be a fun series. Well, first of all, excuse me for disregarding a team that was on like a 13-game losing streak this year and is barely above the ninth seed. Everybody's acting like the Brooklyn Nets are some world beater, and I understand they've had injuries this year. But again, assuming that they're going to be healthy is a big assumption. Not to mention that earlier, this exact pod, Christian, you literally said Miami does a great job guarding teams that are more top-heavy than teams that are more well-rounded. And guess what? Brooklyn Nets is the definition of a top-heavy team. We have a number of defenders that can lock down in uh, whichever one of the star players we want at whoever's on the court, whether it's Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo or Kyle Lowry or Gabe Vincent or Caleb Martin or uh, Victor Oladipo or P.J. Tucker. We have a roster full of defenders that could switch and no matter who's on the court. And this year they've shown that they are that their main game plan going into games is to lock down the other team's stars and make everybody else beat you. And on a team that heavily, heavily relies on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that that game plan is not going to match up at all against the Heat. Now, you mentioned some other names. You mentioned Seth Curry, who he's one of the greatest shooters of all time. Even statistically, he is. And Patty Mills, who the Heat haven't been able to guard for 15 years. So I'll give you those. You brought up Andre Drummond, who is all stats. He's a terrible player. There is a reason that he was getting DMPs with the Lakers team that sucked a year ago. And if you watched Omer Yurtsevin dominate him multiple times this year, you'd see that Omer Yurtsevin is Drummond's daddy. And Yurtsevin doesn't even get playing time on this team. That's how deep he is. Nicholas Claxton is, is a good player, though. But other than that, you've had a bunch of nobodies playing for a long time, whether it's David Duke Jr. or Kessler Edwards or Dayron Sharp. You got Blake Griffin's corpse out there. You got Lamarcus Aldridge's corpse out there who can give you a bucket but not do much anything else. You got Goran Dragic out there who's rusty and as much as I love him, he has done much since getting here. Joe Harris is out for the year. That team is just so top heavy and come playoff time, it is a dream matchup for the Miami Heat and they should have no problem taking care of that team in four or five games. Right. I agree. And then like Christian, is there anything that you want to add on to it? Yeah. I mean, so again, what with the Nets strategy is that when people like double team KD or the double team Kyrie or they come after the stars, the Miami heat scheme works well on teams that are top heavy, but the role players can't really, you know, find their groove. As far as Patty Mills and Seth Curry, he, Seth Curry, I think, you know, statistically has one of the greatest three point shooting percentages of all time. No one can dispute that. If you're giving him the open shots from the coverage that you're giving Katie and Kyrie, it's going to be really difficult to guard. I mean, and that's what I'm seeing. So even if we don't have, and I, of course, I haven't brought Ben Simmons up in my argument because I don't think anyone's really expecting him to play this season. But imagine we have a Ben Simmons on the floor who can actually, you know, put up some great defense. I'm not too concerned uh, about the Miami Heat's defense against the Nets. I think I'd just be more so concerned about the contributions from role players like Tyler Hero. Uh, he's not even a role player. He's like the biggest six man, I think six man of the year. Um, and just the stars as well. I'm, I've been telling Bam Adebayo, I mean, no, I don't actually talk to him, but I've been telling people Bam needs to shoot more. The fact that if Bam took like 20 shots a game, he could average 30 points. Like that's, that's just facts, a fact. Facts. I need, I need Bam to shoot more. So there's stuff like that about Miami that concerns me. And I'll tell you what, because I know we have to move on to the next topic. If, we can just see how exactly the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets play each other with Katie and Kyrie this Saturday. I would be happy to come onto the podcast if the Nets lose and tell you how right you were, Anthony. But if the Nets win, then there might be a little nah. bit of gloating. Reg- there might be a little bit of gloating. Regular season don't mean nothing. Regular oh, yeah, season no, don't I, mean I know nothing. it doesn't mean anything, but it's as close to the playoffs as we can get without actually being in the playoffs. But you know what I think? I think there's a really good chance we don't even match up in the playoffs until the Eastern Conference Finals, if anything. So well, there's a very good chance. For the Nets? 
Oh, I'm saying because I don't think yeah. the Nets are going to keep the eighth seed. I'm rooting for them to get to the sixth seed. Very but. good chance the Nets don't make the playoffs either, especially if they get matched up with Toronto in the first round and can't play with Kyrie. Then they, they're in a win or go home scenario. And I'd like to see how a bunch of role players thrive under that kind of pressure. So yeah, you I, think they lose the so you so after like they lose like the playing to the Raptors, you think they lose to like either the Hornets or the Hawks for the eighth seed? Well, I'm not gonna put my my money on the Hornets or the Hawks for sure, but what I will put my money on is if they get matched up in the Miami Heat in the playoffs, no more than five games. I said, oh, yeah. I said the he same thing. That's what he you're taking? Five. No more. I said, okay. I said the same thing when they traded for James Harden. That team didn't even last 13 games. I've, been, I've never been more right about anything in my life, and I'm going to be right on them once again. Heat and five Man, or six it's injuries, bro. You know it's injuries. Because, look, you talk about the Nets injuries. Look at Miami's injuries the whole season. You know, bam, with the, uh, the thumb thing, Jimmy in and out, Tyler has the COVID. There's just a lot of things that could go wrong, and it is whichever team is going to be the most healthiest. So I'm praying for the health of both teams. But at the same time, you know, injuries did play a big part. You can't tell me that James Harden didn't pull his hamstring in the first 15 seconds of the Bucs series and Kyrie didn't fall on Giannis's ankle. We were up 2-0 before that. And then Kyrie fell on Giannis's ankle and was KD by himself for a couple of games. I mean, look, we lost on a shoe size. It's not even that bad. I know we lost. We definitely lost. That's the bottom line. But it was like on like a shoe size. Like a KD wore a one size smaller shoe. His big ass feet got in the way. I mean, we could have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, if you would have listened to my argument, I, a big part of my argument was health. So I actually did bring that up. And I certainly don't think that's going to change because Kyrie Irving has been a player in this league for 10 years. And even before that, he couldn't stay healthy. I think the man played like seven games in college. No disrespect to his skill. Like you said, he's one of the most talented players ever, uh, especially with his handles. Probably has the greatest handles ever. But I don't think he's going to stay healthy. I don't, I'm not sure if Kevin Durant is going to stay healthy. What he has to do to carry this team on a night in and out uh, night in and out basis coming off one of the worst injuries you can have in all of sports on top of all the the drama queen stuff with Kyrie Irving especially if Ben Simmons comes back you think Kevin Durant's gonna take Ben Simmons passing up an open layup he's not he's not gonna allow him to do that he's not gonna be Joel Embiid in the post game saying that's our guy we're still rooting for him and imagine when when he has that Brooklyn the fans turn against him well I don't really know I, I don't want to do the whole thing about Brooklyn fans but you hear the let's go heat chance in that building so I that team doesn't scare me at all. And I'm praying we get massive in the playoffs, Chris. And I really do. And we could talk. I, yo, me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday, though. And you know what? Come to my podcast. We want to talk about this more because I know we got to move on. All right, Joel, you got something for us? I, <laughs> I was a little worried. I feel like y'all could go for another hour. So I'm glad we was able to wrap that up. Anyways, so moving on, you know, we talked a lot about that. Now it's time for a new segment that we want to do here on Heat vs. the World, and that is the Heat Muse stat of the week. So before we continue, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all fascinating stats related to the Heat. Um, his handle is Heat M-U-S-E. Anyways, the Heat Muse stat of the week is if Lowry can raise his assist numbers by 0.2, he can pass Tim Hardaway for most assists in a Miami Heat jersey, which would be the fact that Hardaway has had 7.8 assists when you look at it. The all-time most assists in a season for Miami Heat is 8.6 assists per game by Tim Hardaway in 1996-1997 season. So can Kyle pass him this year at 7.7 assists per game? Uh, You can start us off, Christian, because I know you can't be on here for too long. Yeah, so uh, first off, thank you, Heat Muse, for providing us with this stat. I think it's a really interesting stat and definitely a great addition to the podcast. But um, I can see Kyle Lowry, as far as the career one, probably elevating his uh, assist numbers by 0.2. But at this point in the season, I don't know if he's going to get up to uh, 8.6. I mean, or past 8.6. That's like a really tough number to get. Um, I'd say probably not. uh, But there's always room for it to happen next season. I mean, the... uh, Miami Heat team has just been great at scoring the ball, especially off of uh, Lowry's passes, but I just don't see him getting to that 8.6 assist number. Uh, but I think he has a chance of getting the 7.8, so go Kyle. Right, and you, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, whether he hits the number or not, it'd be really cool if he does. I'm not sure if he will, but the thing I love about Kyle Lowry is he's like the first actual facilitator that we've had on this team for a long time, and maybe even since Timmy. 
unless you count Jay Will, which obviously he came here towards the later stages of his career. But before Jimmy, we obviously had Gorn for a while, which is primarily a score. And before that, we, of course, had Chalmers. Mostly played sort of a spot-up role, but of course, a lot of this because we had LeBron. But I've called Lowry like an offensive maestro this year. And to see him push pace and control an offense, it's really been a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, it, it, uh, and a lot of people I know have looked at his numbers this year to kind of see how the Heat's big acquisition is doing. And people that don't watch the games are thinking he's having a down year just because the numbers obviously aren't great. But obviously from a scoring standpoint, but there's a reason this team is first place now and they were sixth place last year. The way he controls this offense is so fun to watch. Except when, he, except when he forces, thank you for the, the backup share, I appreciate it. Except <laughs> when he forces like those full court outlet passes, like we got some wide receivers on this team, but seeing Jimmy go up that high with that ankle, I don't know if that scares y'all too when Larry forces that, but I'm always worried he's going to come down wrong, but it's been a beautiful thing to watch Lowry uh, facilitate this offense. So I, I'd like to see him get that number so we can officially call him, you know, one of the greatest point guards this franchise has ever had. Right. And then, Ange, how about you? I mean, going off of what Christian and Anthony both said, that it's going to be kind of a difficult, what, what's the word? A milestone, I guess you would call it, I guess. But it's going to be hard to, like, overcome that. It's, it's a new record that he's potentially about to break. And for someone in their first year in a Miami Heat uniform, not even their full first year in a Miami Heat uniform compared to one of the best Heat players to ever play the um, play for our franchise. Within the five years he was with our team and the fact that Kyle Lowry is going to break or can potentially break this record, like I said, less than a full year within a Miami Heat uniform is a very big accomplishment. So, but like, yeah, like Christian said, it's going to be definitely a hard task to accomplish. And again, like Anthony said, if he doesn't accomplish it, maybe in the next year, which I personally feel like he can accomplish for sure. But I mean, whether he does it or not this year, that's still a big task in itself or a big stat in itself. So, yeah, I'm proud of Kyle Lowry. So. Right. You know what? Because, you know, like you said, Ange, like that's a good point to bring up. Like when you look at the assists per game he's had, it's like it's honestly great. And, you know, Raptors fans have been coming after Heat fans, you know, basically telling us how great of a player Kyle Lowry is. So, you know, if you're a Raptors fan and you're, you know, you're watching him potentially break that record, you got to feel good about all that preaching you were doing earlier in the season. But overall, I think that is a bit of a tough thing to accomplish. So will the, will he do it? I want to say so, but I'm not getting my hopes up for it. I'm kind of with you, Christian, where that is something tough for one to accomplish. But overall, you know, I think, you know, for him to be that close in doing so in less than a year and being in that Miami Heat uniform, like that's such a great thing to accomplish alone. So Overall, I think that just tells us what a great addition Kyle has been to this Heat team and how grateful we all are that he is in that Heat uniform. And, you know, we don't got too much time left, so I quickly want to go into this final topic, and that's talking about this upcoming game for the Heat as we'll be playing the Warriors. The Warriors are currently top three in the Western Conference, but they will be shorthanded as they'll be without Steph Curry as he is still nursing that foot injury he'd suffered not too long ago. However, if we learned anything from that 76ers game, it's that you cannot, and I repeat, you can't, like you can't take any game against a shorthanded team for granted. So all that aside, what's everyone's predictions for this upcoming Heat game? What's your take, Anthony? Well, I, I also want to throw in, too, I was too busy debating with Christian like two seconds ago to say it. Uh, I also love that you did go with the BBL. That's very Miami of you, especially coming from a New Yorker. So so I like that. Uh, well, I just went on. A, I just Googled the Golden State Warriors roster and did a random number generator. And the player that it landed on was Jonathan Kaminga. So I'm assuming he's going to drop 30 points and they probably won't beat us. But whatever, man, they don't, they don't got Curry. They should win that game, but we'll see what happens again. It's all about getting healthy come playoff time. Right. And you, Ange? Exactly. Like you said, we cannot go into this game with our heads, like we're going in with high expectations just because a team doesn't have their greatest asset or star player. Like you said, Steph Curry's still coming back from that foot injury that he got a couple of days ago. So I mean, going into it, I'm pretty confident, but like you also said, and like I said previously, like I'm not going to 
have the highest of expectations and say, oh yeah, we definitely got this, you know, Curry's not playing, whatever. But um, yeah, no, I can't go into this game with full high expectations. I'm just going to pray for the best and hope for the worst, or hope for the best, pray for the worst. Right. And you, Christian? So I think that this game is going to be kind of interesting because the Warriors are still a top team, you know, regardless of whether or not they have Curry. Uh, The Warriors are four and six in their last 10. Um, 18 and 15, their away record is not as good as their home record. Uh, But again, you know, you can't discount a team facing the Miami Heat when they don't have one of their star players playing. Um, Miami is favored in this game by eight and a half points. So they're expecting Miami to win because they do appear to be mainly healthy, uh, you know, except for Victor Oladipo. So I think this this game should be a good game for Miami. Uh, I definitely can see them winning this game. But um, as far as winning this game to retain the number one seed, I think that's important for Miami uh, just to keep up in the standings. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game for Miami. I could see them winning this. Right. So for me personally, I think the Heat should be fine if they are to take care of business. Um, You know, I was talking about it with Shea earlier. You know, this Heat team, you know, they always play good, you know, when they're going against these tougher teams. I just think that they just simply cannot have the same mentality that they had in the Sixers game and try to take it easy just because this team is lacking a star. You know, like Philly lacked two stars and we still lost. So if you're Miami, just go in and take care of business against Golden State. We talked so much in today's episode that before we close it out, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram and drop that follow. Our handle is HBTW Podcast. We got all Miami Heat content for you so that even when we're not recording an episode, you can still get access to all things Heat. And then make sure to check out our website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com for even more Heat content. And that's basically it. So thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. And hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.